to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. Well, happy Father's Day um, for those of you that are um, fathers and have uh, children. And some of you, sometimes it's a sad day uh, because of the fact if you've had a, a grandfather or a dad who's passed away. And so um, uh, that can be a sad thing. But uh, today's sermon and today's whole message is going to be on, on the fact of us, us focusing on and being thankful for um, and resting in uh, God, our Heavenly Father. And so we've been looking at that for a while as far as the, um, the way that, uh, that rest and renewal works. And so today we're going to be turning and looking at abiding. Um, yeah, you can check that other mic there. Um, so um, we're going to be looking at why rest and renewal why would we do this rest and renewal? If you remember, we for a couple of weeks, we took we, we take some time to look at um, Sabbath rest. And uh, in that, we kind of looked at what's the point of Sabbath rest. It's not just this time of going and laying down on the couch or going and uh, getting in the recliner more, but actually it, it's supposed to be this idea, like just like with God, the way in Genesis, he looked back, he paused and rested on the seventh day and looked back and saw what he had done, and he considered that um, glory to himself. By pausing, remembering, and looking back, um, he was actually attributing glory to himself. And so um, we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at some scriptures uh, on that. And then at the end, I want to give some practical application. I know that for a lot of people, they say that they struggle with their um, devotional times. So I've actually got some practical helps for that. If you'd like to start, and even as a church, if if you're not currently in the middle, um, man, if you're not currently in the middle of one of those, um, then you could start July 1st. So I provided something for you. It's back there on those back tables, um, but also on the website. Uh, You can click on that. We're gonna get to that at the end. But let me start with just um, uh, laying out this overarching thing. So the reason that we're looking at all this The reason we started this idea of train us for eternity was to um, take this idea of um, this overarching thing of of renewal of a heart. So spiritual renewal in the heart starts as an act of God. So um, it's this act of God where he, the Holy Spirit begins to put desires in us to move from that lukewarm state. And so we've come out of two years of kind of chaotic living, um, uh, lots of stresses in life, lots of stresses globally in our own country, sometimes in our lives. Um, And so in that, um, renewal is greatly needed. So this idea of train us for eternity, um, we're living for the kingdom while we're here on this earth. So this overarching thing, um, when from prayers for revival or spiritual awakening have occurred, you have to understand that, first of all, it was a time when people started going and lending their hearts to time in prayer. So when you've seen great revivals or great renewal acts and movements by the Lord, um, first of all, people went and started pausing, spending more time focused on God. Now, now you've also got to understand, God is the one who started prompting that. 
He had purposes for that, right? He, it wasn't just their idea and like, oh, we should just do that. Like the Holy Spirit was prompting people to do that. And so um, that, that, that moves people from spiritual decline to spiritual renewal. Um, it moves people from lukewarm spirituality to enjoying his presence. And so um, I would ask you just as we start out today, so so. Where is your heart at? If you feel like, man, yeah, it has been kind of a, a little bit of a slump, maybe circumstantially, maybe just factors in our own lives, maybe um, uh, the way th- things have gone just with our jobs or our family or our finances or just the country. I, I just don't like all the unrest in all the different areas. Um, and all of those things, um, churches, the decline in the numbers of people at churches and stuff, um, all of those things can have these factors that, are, that can bring in a slight depressive mood or even an anxiety or an unrest about the future. And so all of that can, can cause people to kind of go into a slide where it's just uncomfortable and there's not a lot of spiritual growth. So what's the answer for that? Where is your heart at with Christ? So at the end, like I said, I want to lay out some opportunities for you to say, hey, if, if there's 5, 10, 15, 20 people that say, hey, let's all July 1st, we want to start this together. If you already have a reading plan and already have something that you're focused on and that you study through, man, stick with that. Don't, don't switch or anything. But to go through this thing together might be a good thing for your soul. Um, so we spent two weeks looking at self-awareness. Remember that? We spent some time looking at that. So because people that are really, really good and disciplined at their, their quiet times or disciplined at their devotional times, but they treat people pitifully, right? And so you've been around some of those people. And sometimes that can be church leaders, pastors, that they, they treat people really bad, but they let you know how much scripture they know. Or they let you know their theological stances and how good at their theological stances they are, but they just don't play well with others. And so we want to be self-aware. And so... Um, then we, we spent some time considering where your heart's at with God in this idea of Sabbath rest. And so explaining what Sabbath rest is, it's actually not just a numbness and being tired and lazy, it's actually being intentional with your thoughts and mind towards the Lord. So that's what Sabbath rest was. It wasn't just go numb out. It was no more intentional time focused on the Lord. And so I wanted to challenge you to think through, do you have a time uh, during the week, maybe once a week, where you have an extended period of Sabbath rest? That could be, it doesn't have to be necessarily a 24-hour period. And we looked last week that Jesus came and he fulfilled Sabbath rest to where it's no longer a day on the calendar for us. It could be Monday for you. It could be Thursday for you. It could be Saturday. It could be Sunday. But I would have a time, it doesn't have to be a 12-hour period, but a time where you're ceasing from work, where you're ceasing from doing stuff, even for God, to contemplate and to pause, to cease from those things, to look at what God has done and to, to, to remember what God has done for you in the gospel and to give thanks to him. So that may be just a, a little bit of time of reading, taking some time to meditate on it, to think through that, to pray through that. And so um, not only a day for that, but also I, I encourage you to think through, um, do you have uh, what I call renewal and rest during the day? Uh, so if you've, if you've ever had that feeling like you have a quiet time in the morning and then at 10 o'clock your a coworker walks in who you can't stand to be around or you get some bad news on a text or something and it just wrecks your whole day. 
Well, maybe you need to, to pause right then for three or four minutes. And we even took out our, our clocks and set them and just said, hey, God, would you allow us to understand silence and solitude before you? And taking a couple of minutes to lay out those anxieties and worries on the table and then to just clear all of that off the table and say, now, God, would you calm my soul? Would you uh, let me trust and hear from you? And sometimes it's just thoughts, nothing, not, nothing mystical, like we're expecting him to start floating in your room or something, but to where where you're maybe just convicted over some sin, some worry, some anxiety, some some thoughts. Maybe it, it's just refreshing thoughts about um, that, that the Spirit is empowering you and just remembering those things. And so during the day, you may do that two or three times. Um, and so in all of those things, the, the goal is to rest in him. And today we're gonna look at that practical aspect um, of that, and so, uh, like I said two weeks ago, we we l- learned that rest is uh, rest and love and enjoying God and His kingdom while on earth. It prepares us for eternity. And then last week we saw that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So we don't have to go by those laws of the Old Testament as far as the the, the strict dietary laws and the strict societal laws and the strict cultural laws. That that's part of the old covenant. Jesus fulfilled that for us. He is now our rest. And so in that, what, what do we do is on a practical level, we go and spend time abiding. So this week, what we're going to see is practicing, training ourselves is renewal and rest equals abiding. And so the, the kind of a theme for this is we will love him. We will, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, we will love him. We will look like him when we do rest and renewal and abide with him. And so if you're, you're thinking, man, I don't feel like I love God as much as I'd like to, it may be because you're not abiding. Um, it may be you feel like, man, worship is dry all through the week. There's not a lot of it. My heart's pretty lukewarm and cold. Lukewarm and, cold. and I come in just hoping like maybe these three songs, maybe these three songs, and maybe this sermon will. And, and, and if you're not abiding through the week, just, just think what that's really doing. Uh, that's not a real good view of Christianity. And so we'll see that. So let me insert this navigator's wheel. I think some, most of you people have probably seen this. This is the old famous navigator's wheel. Um, many of you have seen this in discipleship. So it starts out with this. And I always assume that everyone has seen this, but I do want you to see uh, where it fits into this, this basic process of the Christian journey. And so if you remember, uh, if you notice in the middle, they're Christ the center. And then the outside of the wheel is that obedient Christian life. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the um, upward aspect of our relation with God, which is a prayer. That's our upward speaking to God and talking to him and communing with him. The word that downward spoke is what grounds us. It's what grounds us and gives us something to, to plant our feet on. It's, it's what, where, where we hear from God. And then the um, two outward um, spokes is our evangelism and fellowship. And then um, and, and all of that, if you do that, I, I just kind of two caveats that I had there is above that. Like if you live that life out um, and then you have world vision, you're aware of God's heart for the nations and missions, that's a beautiful thing. And then all of that put together should be a foundation of love. Because there's people who try to live this out and they're just mean and angry and harsh, right? And so they're measuring you by this. And you can actually take this when I start discipling guys sometimes. I'll just ask them, hey, let's look at last week. How did you feel like that you did, if this was a wheel, a true tire or a wheel, how did you do? Was it was like three or four of those spokes broken off 
and it wasn't even a circle. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I did the fellowship part. I hung out a lot. I didn't share the gospel or get close to sharing the gospel with anyone. I even have conversations. I didn't spend any time in prayer. Didn't spend any time in the Word. So really, it's kind of a flat tire, you know? And so uh, just look at this. It's a good little measuring tool. Again, you don't want to take it too far. But um, in that, we, we see, if we live that out, we see the great commandment, the great commission. And I, I think I have on there where um, that, that the Christ the center, that emphasizes our union with Christ. The word and prayer emphasize how we relate to God, communication to Him. Um, on obedience to Christ, there just emphasizes that, that ongoing repentance and turning from sin, confessing sin, killing sin, which if you know John Owen's book, Mortification of Sin. So mortification just means killing sin. And then that's the negative side, right? Where we're killing sin to grow spiritually. What's the positive side? Vivification is a big word, meaning that's life-giving. It's spiritual renewal, is vivification. And so that's what happens. Um, And then uh, as we look at that, what I would say is the next thing, if that's what we want to live this life, I call this practicing inside the ballpark. And so what I mean by that is um, being inside the ballpark to grow. Well, you you can't get out of God's um, boundaries and still grow as a Christian, his boundaries of holiness and righteousness. So we should be um, inside the ballpark of holiness and righteousness. So I can't go and live licentiously and live out all these things. Man, just any movement does it. And so uh, if I go outside, uh, I'll just stand here like a stick if that helps. Um, if, if, we, uh, if we go outside of God's boundaries, you're, you're not living in holiness. You're, you're not inside the ballpark. And then also inside the ballpark, you, you've got to be practicing. And what I mean by that is, is giving effort. And a lot of times, I think a lot of us, maybe just, and we get worse and worse as we get older in the American church, is we want to just sit back and let spiritual growth happen by me just sitting back. Like just, God, I, I'm here. I don't know why you're not growing me. And so we don't think about spiritual labor we don't think about being disciplined and putting out effort. And so this is a weird thing when you're talking about um, spiritual rest, but we're also saying you've got to put some effort into it. You've got to give some um, sacrifice. There is effort that goes into that. Um, so, um, and if you see, um, I've got a, a verse there. If you remember, we started in 1 Timothy 4 there, but um, 4, 7, train yourselves for godliness. And that word train there is... Uh, I forget which one it's, if Gunasia or if it's uh, Gumnazo. Yeah, Gumnazo. And so that, and then the other word, when you, if you see in verse eight, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. So training us for eternity. So you see that word, uh, Gumnasia, that's where we get our English word, gymnasium. So what happens at a gym? What happens at a gymnasium? We, we go in and we work out, we exercise, we train ourselves. And so Paul's saying here, he, he's using the themes there um, for in those cities, remember Corinth and uh, Ephesus and those places, they, they were famous for those games and those, those athletic events. And so he was saying, in the same way you see those people going in and training themselves, you've got to train yourself to, to work and strive for godliness. And so again, I don't, I don't want to confuse you because that, that's, that's actually work and us being intentional in, in rest. So um, just think through that. that that's, that's what we want to see. Jesus, we know, um, we know that Jesus 
often intentionally sought times of solitude, um, getting alone with his father. Um, this may shock you, and so you can go and search through the scriptures, but remember, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. In Jesus lowering himself, humbling himself, and coming as a human, he was gonna take on a physical body that he didn't have uh, in, in his deity to where it is gonna suffer harm, it's gonna suffer um, fatigue, it's gonna suffer the stresses that we all face, whether that's headaches, whether that's being tired and weary where he needed sleep. We know the Bible is very clear several places that, that God does not sleep. That, that the, the Father and the Spirit do not rest. They don't get weary and tired, even after the, the six days of creation. Jesus, in, in coming in the flesh now, in a human body, he, he took on for a period, he, he laid down some of those attributes. So Jesus needed renewal. Jesus needed rest. Jesus became weary. Um, he had times of emotional heartbreak, looking at the crowds and the people. You see that. Jesus wept. He had compassion. He felt bad for people that were going through rough times. Um, he was weary. He had times of ministry exhaustion. You see lots of times. You see times when he needed to be away from the people, and it would say something like, Jesus pulled away from the crowds. You know, there was hundreds and thousands coming to see him. And so you see that. And in fact, Luke 5 there says, uh, but now even more, as the report about him went abroad, great crowds gathered to hear him and he healed their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So even Jesus himself needed to get alone. And so we also see, if you, if you want to take some time and go through it slowly in the gospels, um, just pick one and you'll see Jesus going and getting alone with the father, spending some time, and then sometimes a, a big major next step comes out, like choosing the disciples or going this direction to go and preach the gospel in this new area, or going to make this directional move or this decision, he would go and get alone. Also, Jesus prayed at different times. So, so much of the scriptures say that he prayed at night, he prayed through the night, and then he also prayed early in the morning. So uh, if you've been in the church or you, you heard growing up, you know, that you, know, you had someone telling you that if you don't have that 4.30 a.m. quiet time, then you're just not really a good Christian, because I do. And so you're kind of like, golly, you know, uh, I, I, at the point that I was kind of getting into all this stuff, I was working at 3 a.m. And so um, literally I was getting about two and a half hours sleep. And so I remember thinking like, man, I'm going to have to get up at like 1.30, get an hour and a half and get up at like 1.30 to spend an hour and a half to then go to work. And so that, that, that just, you can't do that. No, have it, have it a different time. And so just know that it's not a set pattern like that, that you're not doing anything bad. But if Jesus needed that, how about your heart? If God in the flesh needed that and time alone with his father, then we obviously do. So let's look at one of the most beautiful sections of this idea of abiding. And again, what we want to see is we will worship him, we will enjoy him, we will love him, and then also we will look like him when we do rest and renewal and abide with him. So this section in John 15, very famous part about abiding. And so let's read uh, John 15. And um, I'm going to do, just start out with, uh, I'm going to pray first, and then I'll, we'll go through one through about 11. So let me pray. Father, we do thank you for um, just time to gather and really just go before your presence. On a day marked as Father's Day here in America, um, we do want to take time to consider your greatness. You are our Heavenly Father. Um, we pray, Father, that you would help us to see the beauty of that, that you would help us to see um, that we can sit before the creator of the universe, 
all alone in silence. That's a scary thought for some of us. That's a weird thought for some of us. We're not good at silence and solitude. But Father, that you're even gracious than that, that you know that's hard for us, that you're not mad at us because we feel awkward, but that you invite us into Sabbath rest and that we've learned that Sabbath rest is now found in Jesus and that we want to seek you. We want to seek Jesus. We want to have the Spirit guide us and lead us in that. And so we want to learn and train ourselves for eternity. Would you help us to find satisfaction and enjoyment? Would you receive worship and glory from us doing these practices, these trainings um, as we are here on this earth? In your name we pray, amen. So um, this idea of abiding, John 15, you probably know this very well. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So let's pause there and just kind of look, just get a, get a running picture. Jesus purposely in this crowd, he was using some stock images. He used something that everyone in that, that, country, that, that culture knew. So um, those agricultural pictures that he uses very often. So just talking about a vine and a vine dresser. Um, I'm the vine, my father's the vine dresser. So you see this, this aspect of something that's living, that, that's vibrant. And he wants them to get a picture of that. Um, and then the father is attending and caring for the vine and the, the vine and the branches and everything. And so the, he also brings up two types of branches. There's those that are non-bearing fruit and then those that are bearing fruit. And so if you've ever been around uh, a garden or a grapevine or anything like that, um, if, there's, if there's a branch that has severed from the main part of the vine, what happens? It's cut off, it's dead, it withers, it no longer produces any fruit. So in their minds, he's saying this, and what's he making the point there? You've gotta be connected to me, and think through that. That, that's, That's completely different from their Jewish system, right? That's completely different. He's literally saying, you've gotta be connected to me, and, and, and he's also associating himself with God the Father. So that would be really, really, really blasphemous and weird to them. For him to say, you know, I'm the vine. And, and my father, he's, he's the vine dresser. And so just some weird language there. And he says, you are already clean because of the word. And that word there is logos, the word of Christ. So the good news. Notice why he says that you're clean, disciples, because of the word of Christ, the, the logos of the gospel message. So you've been watching me live this out. You've been hearing my teaching. You've been seeing the compassion I have and the love that I have for people. You are already clean. Now, that's a weird statement also, right? Because he hasn't died on the cross yet. So let's go a little bit further with Jesus here. So he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Don't you love how Jesus, just like in the middle of a, like, oh, he's talking about vines and stuff, and like all of a sudden, oh, somebody's getting burned. And so he just, in the middle of these things, goes into these staunch warnings that are very drastic and very extreme sometimes. And so you'd just be like, man, I love hearing him talk, but... 
God gets very convicting very quickly, you know, and like, this is some scary stuff he brings up. And so, um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, so he adds to this stock image, like I'm the vine, but now you are connected to me. You're the branches. Again, different language for them. Everyone understood that in their culture. But those that are, that are severed from the main vine, it's no, no longer got the life-giving, um, producing uh, vitality to it, so it withers and dies. And then they gather those, and they're taken off and burned. So a clear picture of destruction for those who are not connected to Christ, right? And they no longer able to produce fruit. With the extreme warning, um, he also goes into, but those who do abide, he says, those who abide in me and my words abide in you, we're learning and living his words. Um, those are going to bear much fruit. So in your Christian life, that, that's one of the things to think through. Am I abiding and are his words abiding in me? Um, again, I think sometimes it would be tempting in a lot of American churches to get so busy with doing stuff and if the church, if you you guys didn't know this, during the 80s and 90s, there was so much, you know, like Monday night they had something, Tuesday night they had something, Wednesday night was church, Thursday night they had something. A lot of, you know, maybe 40 Saturdays they had stuff going on. And then Sunday was Sunday morning and Sunday night. And so a lot of people, um, that that was just it. And so it's so, it's so busy, but sometimes it's not about abiding. Um, and so just think through that. Um, are you abiding in Christ? Um, Jesus used that, that, that picture there to say, you've got to stay connected to me. Um, re- remaining in his word, remaining in prayer, walking in obedience in the power of the spirit. And he calls this abiding. So this is what I would say, this idea of abiding is where we get this rhythm that we saw with God in Genesis of rest, the Sabbath rest. If you're doing that and putting into place in your life a rhythm of rest... Um, then there, there will be this aspect of abiding. Um, it's, it's training ourselves this, this type of rest. Actually, it's very hard work. You, you probably have seen. Being very disciplined in rest, it, it takes a lot of intentional discipline, doesn't it? Like, it's not like you know, all Christians around like, oh man, we just, like 99% of us just spend so much time in silence and solitude and seeing the God doing all these things. And, like, and so we just don't know what else to do. It's like, no, that's probably one of the areas that we're really, really weak on. We're, we're kind of, most books would say we're a biblically illiterate group. So we know some of the, the ideas about God, but we don't know really how books flow. And we don't know some of the deeper truths and doctrines. So we're kind of biblically illiterate. But, but then we're also not a real prayerful group also. So, I mean, there, there's that aspect of abiding. Um, so, um, also, I think what happens a, long, a lot of times with, with this idea of abiding, I think that we tend to think this is for the spiritual elite people, those who are the spiritual elites, or maybe full-time pastors, um, it defeats the idea of the body of the uh, the body of Christ all living this out, and it defeats the idea of the priesthood of all believers living this out. Because this was for all of his disciples. He was speaking to these guys gathered right then. But this is this you can't say John fifteen doesn't apply to all believers. You wouldn't want to go that far, right? So I want you to get this picture of abiding, clinging, enjoying. Um, and just this idea of what, what would abiding look like if it was a person on the earth? Man, a person on the earth. What would that look like? Um, it, it'd be clinging to them. 
uh, so close to them, intimate. Um, look in verse four and five there when he says, "As abide in me and I in you. I wanted to show you just the, the words that, that pop up when you uh, search this out. Just it, it means to remain, to remain present. In reference to a place, it's saying to stay there, to, to tarry, to sojourn, to, to not depart. In reference of time, um, it, it means uh, to continue to be there, to, to, to endure. Um, in reference of a state or condition, to remain as one, not to become separated or another. And so some beautiful things there and just that word abide. And so, so let's take that to a practical level. So for you, um, what does that look like as far as um, in, in the, the suggestions I had, the, the once a week or the maybe two or three days a week or, or on a daily schedule, this rhythm for you, um, a, a place of solitude, no distractions. Is there a place where you can just pull aside for three, four, five minutes, two or three times during the day? Some of your schedules may not allow for that. Um, some of you may discover if you did try to set that, uh, it may change the next two or three hours. And then you go and do that again. And it may change the next two or three hours. Um, when, when, I remember when I was um, at, at an office for you know, over like 15 years, every time I would, not every single day, but I used to have a practice of, you know, a lot of stuff can happen. You get word of lots of things going on inside a church, lots of people hurting, lots of good news, but also lots of bad news, lots of things going on. And then I would pull, and so it can be exhausting. I'd do lots of counseling and stuff, and sometimes from very weighty, deep stuff. And then I'd pull up to your house and you feel exhausted. And so literally I would just pull up and I'd go, hey, God, these people, Jamie and these three boys, this is a high, high, high priority. What you, I don't want to do is to hate ministry, hate the church, hate the people of the church because they're stealing life from me. And so I've tried to pour out some life to them, now, but now my family doesn't need to get the, 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 the 1% leftover. So I'd pull up and literally, so guys, if you, if you work away from home or gals, if you work away from home and you need to do this to pull up and just to go, just take two minutes. Like these are the people that need to receive love from me more than anyone. These are the ones who I don't need to be stressed and short and, and short-tempered and, and, and angry with. And sometimes we do that because you've got to be nice to the people of the church. But then to your kids, you could be, stop it, good grief, you're getting on my nerves. And, like, and they're like, I was playing like a four-year-old because I'm a four-year-old. And so think through that. Like pausing, just give me some, hey, hey God, these people, my husband, my wife, I need to love them as a highest priority if that goes bad, who cares what's going on at the church, right? And so um, think through what that looks like for you, um, I, abiding. Find a solitude, solitary place, no distractions. Um, start with the habits of, even the silliness of setting, getting your phone, setting that for two or three minutes. Um, and then also um, be intentionally present in the word, read a little bit of scripture. You got your phone, you've got something there, and then just spend some time in prayer and then be fine with a minute, a minute and a half of silence. Just see if you could train yourself in that. Again, we're not getting off into mysticism. I feel like most of you are okay with this. You even start saying that, sitting in silence for some crowds, and they're like, oh gosh, this is the mysticism. We're going off the cliff, and that's not what we're talking about. So I want to ask you, is that your perspective on Christianity? Is that what you've been told? Because that's, that's a big difference for the Jews. Remember their system. And here comes this Jesus like, hey, I'm the vine. Abide in me. Like they were like, what about all that stuff we've been doing? That was a lot of stuff, like you know, 200 things a week that we're doing. Abide in you? And so for us, the same thing, thinking through. So um, is that your perspective on Christianity? 
What, what does your version of Christianity look like if you're not learning the rhythms of abiding? Do you see how we can get off so much in these other things if you're not doing this central aspect? Jesus wanted you to be with him so much so that he came and you know, God with us, Emmanuel, so that he could eventually bring us eternally into God's presence. So that's huge to him. Um, what are you doing as Christianity instead of abiding? And so if you are trying to do lots of stuff, and that, that's good, man, that you're striving for those things, that you're trying, we should be trying to do things. We should be missional. We should be doing that. It's not saying not to do those, but if people are trying to do those and they're not abiding, I will promise you, there, there's, there's never been a case where that, that when you're not abiding, that it just leads to a fulfilled Christian life. It's shallow. It's like glass. Every, everyone that you meet that does that, they're, they're usually worn out, burned out, and eventually, you know, it's like taking a little hammer, it's like, just, they just crack. It destroys marriages, it destroys uh, churches, all kinds of things. And so it's got to be flowing out of abiding. That's what Jesus was doing. And so so, so being self-aware, that's what we looked at. And so if you notice, now here I'm, I'm, I'm putting this press on you to go and spend time alone. Go do this thing, abiding. And do you see now why we spent two weeks at the first on be self-aware? Be careful. Don't make it turn into a legalistic list for you. Turn into an enjoyable presence. That's what we're after. Um, so to abide with Jesus, is that what, what um, Christianity that you, you learn about instead of, and do you see the difference in that and repeat this prayer after me? Ask Jesus in your heart one time, one and done. Huge difference versus abiding, living out that Christian will. So I mean, all those things, um, we, we, we can grow and grow and grow in those things. And I would say, if you want proof, uh, would you say that you're abiding? So you know, a lot of people go, man, I, I don't know. You know I mean, we're, we're going to church. We're going to small group. We can. We, we're, we're, I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying to. And sometimes we get into management of sin, and it, there's no abiding. So uh, many times uh, we're, we're trying to gut it out on our own strength. Uh, many people are just searching for the, maybe the, the, the right list, the right book that will tell us how to raise our kids, the right list to tell us how to do um, this with our Christianity, to do this, the right list, the right list. If I find the right list, then it'll work itself out. And God just doesn't provide those. He, he wants us to have general wisdom flowing out of time with him. And so um, it's, it can lead to exhaustion. So um, if we're not careful, it, it turns into this thing where we're, we're doing these Remember, we've talked about um, the, the idea of that moral therapeutic deism. So, so I'm doing these things morally because I'm a Christian. We go to church and I'm supposed to do these things, not supposed to, be to do these things. And then it's therapeutic. It feels good. At least I'm doing something, even though a lot of times we're missing out on the depth that we're actually desiring. It's not satisfying. And so, uh, then, so what happens with that is God does seem like a deist. Like he's a deistic God where he's just far removed. There's not a closeness or intimacy. He is literally arms folded, standing back, just, you know what to do. You better do it right and you do it, better do it good. If you want to be approved of. Um, so that, that's not the picture in the scriptures. And so we've kind of sometimes settled for that. So just, just that basic question, um, do you love the living person of Jesus? Do you love the living person? Not the, not the idea of security in the future sometime. That, that, that's, a, that's a ripple effect. Not the idea of Christianity, keep the rules, be good, try to be nice to people, try to be loved. Not, not, that's an idea. Those are ripple effects. Do you love the person of God himself? 
Do you love the living person, Jesus? He tried to make it as, as realistic and tangible as possible. And he even said, hey, it will be even better that I'm going away and sending the spirit that, that can come and enable you and empower you. So we will worship him. We will enjoy him. We will love him. And then we will look like him when we do rest and renewal and abide in him. So, so let me connect the dots. Let's think through that. Uh, we will worship him. Is that big to him? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Ten commandments. Um, we will enjoy him. Do not make for yourselves idols. Number two, big things there. Um, we will love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Great commandment. And we will um, end up looking like him, loving other people on a horizontal basis. Great commandment, great commission. If we begin to live in this. If we don't, then, then you're trying to do those things, those externals on your own power. And so um, when we do that correctly, it, it's it's beautiful and it's rest. And then in these last verses in 8 through 11 that we're going to cover, in chapter 15 of John, he says, by this, my Father is glorified. So think about that. If you do what I just told you to do, my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. And so also you prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, now that wording in our English can almost make it sound like if you do the 10 steps and get to the top, you've proved that you love me, right? But in fact, it's just the opposite. It's flowing out of your understanding of God's love for you that out of love, I will do these things. So do you see the difference, the flip? So we like, give me 10 steps to take, and I'll prove it to God. Instead, no, you are placed at the top, and in that, because of your love for God, then I want to do these things. So a complete flip. So it'd be like this. Take, so think of a good husband. Um, honey, I know that we've felt kind of distant. I know that there's been some distance between us, and, and I think that I, I can work on that to fix it. Um, not very much love or appreciation for me. But I've got a plan. So I'm going to stay off all these bad websites that I'm visiting five or six days a week, two or three hours every day. I'm going to stay off the bad websites. I'm going to stop flirting with and trying to meet different women around the city while I'm at work and stuff. I'm going to stay away from those women that I've been pursuing and trying to meet with. I'm also going to cut out all my golf on the weekends. I know I play golf 46 weekends out of 52. I'm going to cut that down to 40 instead of 46. And then I'm going to send you flowers on your birthday and our anniversary. If I do those four steps, I think I'll begin to love you a lot more. So wives, would, would that be a romantic, loving husband? You'd be like, where's the gun? Like you jerk, like that, that's what you think. Like by doing these things, you're going to feel more love and you think that I'm going to feel more love? No, that, that you, you've not even been in the ballpark with me. No, intimacy and love is what's missing. And so because of love, that, that, that's why we're doing those things. And so it glorifies the Father that we bear much fruit. And he's not just talking about it. He, he wants to see lost people saved and disciples grown and matured and families um, brought to restoration and people brought to rest, restoration. But he also, at the same time, wants to see his church growing in holiness. 
He wants, he wants to receive true worship, not just us coming to a service and spending an hour and a half. He wants us to, to, to enjoy spending time with him. That's the whole point of Sabbath rest. And so it's more than just a service. It's more than doing a serving project. It's more than even meeting with a guy discipling him, meeting with a girl. It's more than a book study. It's flowing out of our appreciation and love that we get from abiding with him. And Jesus said, if you're not doing that, man, you're just disconnected. So um, I want you to think through that. And as we get to the end, do you have tendencies to attempt a lot for God or accomplish a lot for God without a dependence of God in abiding prayer. Man, I've went into lots of conversations where I've tried to talk to people and talk to people and talk to people, and I realized, man, I haven't even spent time talking to the Lord about them. Um, if, you're, if you're not seeing a lot of transformation, if you're, if you're someone who says, man, I feel like there is just this, this um, there's, there's not a lot of growth, um, would it make a difference if you learned how to spend some time abiding? This idea of rest, Sabbath rests. Uh, two or three times a day, um, and then having a, a period during uh, the week where you, you set aside some time. It doesn't have to be 12 hours. It could be a couple hours or three or four hours or whatever you set on, and then just to have that regular rhythm. So for those in closing looking for a plan, I wanted to show us these, these things. These are from the website. Now at the back table back there, I have um, some, of these, uh, some of these sheets, but also on a website. So this is just uh, under the top tab up there where it says about. You can just click on about and uh, go down to resources. When we click on resources, one of those that brings up the, uh, under resources, it brings up the daily, weekly reading plan. And at the bottom, you see where it says choose your plan and delivery over Crossway's site. So you click on that, and what it pulls up is these options for reading plans. So this is from Crossway. Um, and then if you see the second one there, McShane's uh, one-year reading plan. So that's one I've done for long, long times. And so I remember one time we took a, like 40 college students to... Um, uh, a conference in Louisville, and uh, a lot of people were on this reading plan, and Piper got up and said, hey, this morning I was reading in my uh, daily devotional, so he was preaching, he said, this morning I was reading, this Mc, I, I do McShane's Day, and like people all turned around like, that's why I was reading that this morning. Me and John Piper were reading the same, like we're the nexus of the universe, and so uh, it was incredible. And so uh, if you click on that, then what that does is McShane's is a one-year reading plan for you read where you read four different sections. I suggest this. This is what I would do. Uh, I do. I choose two of those, and I just do two of those instead of four. And so, um, it, because if you're going to add a psalm and a proverb, or if you want to, uh, if you're doing any study time, also. So for me, I have to do other times of studying the Bible. So um, then, then that just makes it easier. So you can read through the whole Bible in two years. So again, those are on the back table. Um, July 1st, I'm going to start back on this. And if people want to go, hey, let's, let's, let's do that as a, a small group, or let's see if we can uh, get some traction. Let's be disciplined together in that. Uh, wouldn't that be different if we were a people that were learning Sabbath rest together, that were learning individually to abide, who come together corporately to love one another and serve? So um, that's, that's that picture of abiding. Um, as we go into the Lord's Supper, um, this is exactly what the Lord's Supper would be about. Um, just like I said, he, he's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You've got to be connected to me. We have to keep our eyes focused on the gospel where it is that, that living vine that we're attached to. It was his blood that was spilt out in our place. 
It was his body sacrificed in our place. And so that double substitution there where he substitutes himself and then he substitutes his righteousness imputed to us um, is what we celebrate each week. So as we uh, prepare for the Lord's Supper, I'm going to uh, pray and then I'll dismiss you guys. 